to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. If you can turn with me, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 through 22. So 1 Peter chapter 1, picking up in verse 20. Title of our message here this morning is Fervent Love. As we just read in 1 John chapter 4, we just read the fact that God is love. God is love. And we read that if we love him and we give our life to him, we're going to be marked with this wonderful thing called love. God is love. We're not to be people of anger. We're not to be people of hatred. We're not to be people of of fear, being anxious and worried. We're, We're to be people of love. God is love. But we're not just to be people of love. As we're going to see in our text, we're to be people that love fervently. We're to love fervently. And we, you know, what does that even mean? How do we love fervently? Well, that's what we're going to look at as we open up our text here and as we read these few verses. So again, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, the apostle Peter writes, he says, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. So Lord, just as we look at these three verses, again, we ask that you would speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. As we look at our text in 1 Peter, we've been looking at how Peter's writing to a group of people that are believers, believers that fled from Israel. They are dispersed throughout Asia Minor. We call it modern-day Turkey. But uh, so he's writing to those that are going through some real difficult times. They're having some problems trying to relocate and they're trying to find you know housing they're leaving their houses behind and and so Peter's writing this and he's basically as we've been looking at he's basically telling them you know how to live a Christian life in the new world that they're living in and there's a lot of good application for us last week if you were here uh, you saw that we were talking about how you know it Counts, our character counts, or our, our conduct counts. And so we looked at that. And so now he's going to you know, focus in on a few different things. But one of the things, again, he's going to talk about love. So we're going to look at that, fervent love. So I want to focus back, verse 20. It says, he indeed was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Foreordained. That's not a word I, we use very much, is it? Foreordained. I was foreordained. But uh, if you're a note taker, it means to know beforehand. To know beforehand. Foreordained. In other words, Jesus dying on the cross wasn't just a last-ditch effort of God saying, I don't know what to do. Let's, okay, maybe, hold on, let's do that. Hey, let's huddle together. Angels, we need to talk about this. How are we going to fix mankind? What are we going to 
What are we going to do? How are we going to? And it's like, well, let's go ahead. I know what we could do. Real simple. We're going we're gonna to go ahead and we're going to just send my son. Yeah, I like that. And well, in all in agreement, say aye. And let's raise hands. Let's vote on this. No, that's not what happened. Before the foundations of the world, God planned on redeeming us through his son, Jesus. It was, it was ordained by God. Before he flung Mars into orbit, he, he knew what he was going to do before Earth was even created. He, he knew exactly what he was going to do. Listen, he knew mankind would fail. He knew mankind would sin. He knew mankind would reject him. So he had a plan. He knew what was going to happen. Do you think he was shocked when Adam and Eve, there was the sin? Do you think it was like, oh no, guys, huddle up. Look at here. We never planned on this. No, God knows all things. God knew that, that Adam and Eve would fall. And he knew sin would enter into the world. So he foreordained. He knew before time. He knew before the, in the beginning. He knew that he was going to send his son. But listen, it was for you. He says, telling them that he was manifest in these last days. He was revealed in these last days for you. And you can make that personal. It's Jesus Christ was ordained for you. And can I add this? He knew that before the foundations of the world. Doesn't that blow your mind a little bit? That's what the Bible teaches us. It's not, I'm not just making this up. He, he knew you before the foundations of the world. And he, he knew that you were going to be saved. And guess what? God does not pick losers. He only picks winners. In other words, he only picks those that he knows that are going to make it. Those are the ones he, he chooses. But then you might say, oh, pastor, so he doesn't choose the other ones? That's a heavy theological thought, isn't it? So it's God that chooses. Well, he also makes us with a free will. He gives us a free will to make our own choice. Amen. Amen. But he knows what choice we're going to make. Why? Because God is all-knowing. He knows everything. If God's all-knowing, can he learn something new? No. So he foreordained his son to die on the cross to take away the sins of the world. It was, he had it planned. It was in the plan from the beginning. He knew what he was doing. I like that. In Revelation 13, talking about the Antichrist, it, I hope we all realize this. There's a man that's going to come on the scene. We know him as the Antichrist, right? He's going to be a world leader. He's going to be uh, almost like a Messiah figure. People are going to worship him. People are going to, they're going to bow down to him. Then he, they're going to think that he's just the savior, right? And we're told in Revelation 13, it says it was granted to him. Who's the him? This is the Antichrist. It was granted to him to make war against the saints and to overcome them. Do you realize that? And you might say, well, wait a second, the saints, is that us? Well, no, no, because this is during the time of tribulation. We as the believers are going to be taken up. We're going to be caught up together with him in the air, right? So the tribulation saints, those that, that did not accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, after the rapture, when they give their life to the Lord, they're going to be called the tribulation saints, right? But So the Antichrist is going to make war with the saints, and he's going to, what, overcome them. And authority was given to him, the Antichrist, over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, right? Is that going to be a crazy time? They're all going to worship him. They're going to worship him as the Messiah. They're going to think that he's the, you know, he's the, the one that they're looking for. So they're going to worship him. But listen who it's going to be. Look at, look at who it's going to be. It makes it very clear. So I want you to realize this. Whose names have not been written in the book of, is your name in the book of life? then guess what? So we're not going to be these saints. These are saints 
during the time of tribulation, right? But check this out. This is the point I really want to make. But listen, okay, so when was this written? It says from the, or excuse me, the book of life of the lamb that was slain. Who's that? Jesus, right? The lamb that was slain. Listen to this. From the, can we say that together? From the foundations of the world. It was planned before the foundations of the world. The lamb was stricken before the foundations. It was a done deal before the foundations of the world. It was done. Revelation 13, 7. I just want to say with that, you do not want to be here during the time of tribulation. Why? Because look at what's going to happen. You know how how difficult that's going to be? Everyone's going to be worshiping this Antichrist, and he's he's going to make war against them. He's going to prevail. You don't want to be here, guys. You know, if you go to a doctor, you don't primarily go to a doctor because you want him to love you, right? I know it sounds weird, but just think through that with me, okay? It's not that you go to a doctor because, oh, I want a doctor that really loves me. No, you want a doctor that can really fix you. If you have a broken leg, you want a good doctor that can fix your leg. If you have open-heart surgery like uh, Mikey had up here, you want a doctor that knows what they're doing for the open-heart surgery. You, you want a doctor that's going to fix you. You don't necessarily want a doctor that's going to just love you. And, and for the most part, listen to this, for the most part, doctors are kind of trained in, 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 in such a way they don't get too attached. Do you ever notice that? They don't get too attached to their patients because that would be real difficult on them when they see their patients dying and stuff and they get too close. They got to they just kind of, you know, have that little separation. So you notice that sometimes doctors are real just cold. Hey, all right, tell me, you, you, you know, how long have you had this? Uh, does it hurt back here? No. Does it hurt over there? No. Okay, thank you. Bye. See you later. But it's, it's because, you know, they're trained in that way for the most part. You know, now I'm not saying all doctors, but, but truly, think about it. Think, I mean, think of this craziness. If you had a doctor, you went in the room, doctor, I'm not feeling well. And they're, oh, no, you're not feeling too good. Come here. <laughs> He'd be like, whoa, this is weird. We don't go to a doctor to love us. We go to a doctor to fix us, right? You're probably like, where are you going with this anyway? I don't know. I just thought I'd no, no, no. <laughs> we have a God that not only fixes us, but he loves us. We have a sin problem, and he fixes the sin problem. We have all kinds of problems apart from God, so he sent his son to fix us, to give us wisdom, to give us understanding, to, to fill us with his love, to fill us with joy, to fill us with peace. He, he fixes us, but guess what? He doesn't just fix us. He loves us so much. And his plan is good. He has a good plan. And the only thing that's keeping you from being fixed and being loved is if you refuse to go to him and receive your forgiveness and to receive the love he has for you, you need to go to him. He has great love for you, but he also wants to fix you. And he's able to fix you. And even us as believers, we need constantly to be fixed. And we go to him, and he he fixes us. He gives us wisdom. He gives us understanding. He gives us joy. He gives us his love. It's all part of his spirit. And we're, we're in him, and he has all this available for us. But don't ever forget the fact that he loves us so much. I just recently read a story about a construction engineer, and he, he went out on the job to inspect a job, and he had to go up to, on the scaffold, and it was up three stories. That's a true story. When he was up on the scaffold, he, he tripped, and he fell, and he went over the, you know, the scaffold, and he went falling, and, and the, 
workers saw him fall off the scaffold. So they just ran over there to just look at his dead body. They figured, this man's dead. There's no way he's going to survive this. He's a dead man. And when they ran over to where this gentleman fell off, they, they realized that underneath him was this worker, this laborer, and the laborer saw him falling. So the laborer wanted to help him. So he took the full brunt of the fall. So he embraced himself and he tried to catch this man and it basically just crushed him and either fractured or broken just about every bone in this man's body. This man was rushed to the hospital and they treated him for many years and he ended up becoming disabled. And years later, a reporter did an interview with them, and the reporter asked this construction worker, and he says, you know, how is the engineer treating you since this accident? How is he acting towards you? And he says, you know, he treats me so well. He says, he's actually given me half of everything that he owns. He even gave me a share in his business. And he says, there's not a day that goes by that he doesn't stop and visits me, and he he tries to accommodate me, and he's so grateful for my life, for what I did. And that's a wonderful story of thanksgiving. But, but how do we treat the very one that took the full blow of our sin upon his body? He was crushed. He was bruised. He was beaten. He was rejected. He was scourged. He was spat upon. And he, he did that for us because he loves us so much. And, and my response is, are we acting even slightly like that engineer guy? Are we, are we grateful for the one that died for us? who showed us such fervent love? I pray so. I love what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Are you hearing his voice today? He primarily talks through his word. My sheep, Jesus said, hear my voice. And I know them. Isn't that a comforting thought? Jesus knows you today. I know them. And they follow me. And he says, and I give them eternal life. Isn't that a great thing? He gives us eternal life. When we come and believe in him, he gives us eternal life. And they shall never perish. This is for us today. Most of the hands that went up and said, I'm a believer, this is for you today. You're never going to perish because of what Jesus Christ did for you. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hands. My father who has given them to me is greater than all, right? And what does it say? And no one is able to snatch them out of my hands my father's hands. It's like we're a sandwich. Jesus's hand, the father's, he just sandwiches us in and no one can snatch us out of his hands. Nobody can hurt us. For all eternity, he's, he has us and this is the one who died for us, Jesus, the son of God and he says, I and my father are, are one. Let's go back in our text, please. So verse 21, it says, Who through him believing in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Is your faith and hope in God? My faith and hope is in God. Isn't it great when you put your faith and hope in God? And who is it through? It's through Jesus. He rose from the dead. Do you believe that? And you have many benefits if you put your faith and hope in God. My faith and hope is in God. Through Jesus Christ. I love what we're told in Ezekiel 36 regarding, this is regarding the nation Israel, but I believe for those of us that put our faith and hope in God, we have the same similar benefits. Check this out. He's talking about the nation Israel in the latter days. This is what he's going to do. He says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. Do you realize what we're doing right now? The water of the word, it's cleaning you spiritually. Do you know that? 
He's saying, I'll, I'll sprinkle clean water on you. Well, we're told that, you know, the water of the word cleans us. And then he says, I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Those are things we put before God. And I will give you a new heart. Has God given you a new heart here today? And I will put a new spirit within you. Isn't that wonderful when he does that? He changes us. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. Have you ever seen a person when they give their life to Christ and they just, they're softened up? They're, they're just like a different person? Have you ever met someone that give their testimony? It's like, well, I was a drug dealer. Or I was there. And I, I killed people. I did this. I was in the Hell's Angels. I was la, 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 la. And you're looking at the guy like, there's no way. He's like a teddy bear. Why? Because God has softened his heart and he's given him a new heart. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And I will keep my judgments Excuse me, and you will keep my judgments and do them. That's what God does for us. So I'm going to focus more on this last verse, verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Love. None of us can cleanse our own souls. I just, I, do, I hope we all realize that. We can't purify ourselves. It's through believing the truth of who Jesus Christ is, believing that he died on the cross, receiving into our lives, and then we are cleansed. And when we're cleansed, we have sincere love for one another. Genuine love. Did you, in, when you were in grade school, did you have to do those, uh, on Valentine's Day, those little Valentine cards for everyone in the classroom? Do you remember doing that? Do they still do that? I just wonder. Did anybody know? They still do that? Yeah. Remember that? You'd sit up, I would sit up at night and you have to, you'd have to have a little card for everyone in the classroom, not just one, right? But there was always that. I remember being a kid, there's that one girl I'd think, oh, I want her. You know, I just write little things on one, but the one, I was just like, okay, what do I say to her? My head's shaking, you know? <laughs> then you just kind of give out the cards like this, then you go to the one, and you're like, here, this is for you. Like, <laughs> or whatever, I don't know, I don't know. But I'm just... But you think about sincere love. That's not sincere love. You know, you're writing these Valentine cards. You're like, I didn't love everyone in the class. I'm sorry to say, I just was handing them out. This is my duty. Here's your card. Here's your card. Here's your card. You know, this is, that's not sincere love. The moment we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, his Holy Spirit fills us. We are filled with his spirit, but we're filled with his love. There are people, that, there were Christians before I was a Christian, I would just say, I would never hang out with those people. I would never go near those people. Those people are crazy. I think they belong to some weird cult or something. These guys are weird. Guess what? I accepted Christ. I'm like, I love these people. <laughs> Seriously, that's exactly what happened to me. There are people in my life, they're just like, dude, dude, I'm like, well, man, all they do is go to church. They live a boring life and they're doing, and all this misconception. I'm telling you, when I accepted Christ as my savior, I fell in love with those people. And they're my family. I remember going to my dad and for the first time telling my dad that I accepted Christ and I, you know, I knew he was, you know, he wasn't going to be happy. And I remember the whole thing. I remember going and having a meeting with them and I sat down with them and I'm like, I'm praying and praying. What do I tell my dad? What do I tell my dad? I, you know, I've got to explain this to him. I wanted to know I'm a different person. I'm not the same. And I just, I'm sitting there and I didn't know what to do. I just opened my mouth. I said, dad, I'm a Jesus freak. 
And he says, don't say that, son. I go, dad, but it's true. He goes, no, don't say that. And I go, it's true, dad. I'm a Jesus freak. I said, believe me, I know how you're feeling. I used to hate Jesus freaks before. I said, but now I'm one of them. And he says, son, it'll change. Don't worry. <laughs> and I said, it's not going to change, dad. I'm, I'm changed. I'm a different person now. And he didn't know how to take it. He didn't know. And I understand because I was in his shoes at the time. I was just, he was like, what is going on? Something weird. You're just, you're, but it's nothing weird. I accepted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And I was changed. And I love Jesus. And I'm not ashamed to say that. I love Jesus Christ. And I love his people. And do you know that it's, sometimes it's just, it's easy to love Jesus, but sometimes it's not so easy to love his people. You're all laughing, aren't you? But we're called to do it. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God because God is God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. How can we say we, got, we love God, the one that we don't see? We read it in our, in our scripture reading. When, you know, how, how, how can we say we love God, and we, the one that we can't see, but we're not loving our brother, the ones that we can see, the Bible says. In other words, it's going to show, if we love God, it's going to show in our love that we have for one another. And, and the people that God puts in our lives, there's a reason, there's a purpose for those people that he puts in our life, because there's a... a, a there's a thing going on. There's a, the purification that takes place in our life, and he uses other people in our lives to mature us and to grow us and to, to know how to respond. So, so it's part of our walk with the Lord. He uses people in our lives, but he wants us to love them. So because of his spirit, we have sincere love of the brethren. We're, that's a given. But now it's a given. We have this. We're purified. But now he's saying love one another fervently. If you're a note-taker, it's an athletic term. It means to strive with all your energy. That's how we're to love each other. Strive with all your energy. I was hoping it would just say, just love them a little bit and run. <laughs> say, hi, I love you, bye. <laughs> but this word is an athletic term. It, it means to, 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 to do it with all your energy, to, to love with all your energy, to, to just give it all you have and just really just to, to go all out in love. And I believe it's important that we try to find ways to fervently love each other, to deny ourselves. Because he says, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Go out of your way for others, denying yourself. How, how can you bless others? By nature, we're selfish. We have a selfish nature. The more I walk with the Lord, the more I see that I need to deny myself. Self-focus is terrible. Have you ever noticed that? People that are so, so self-focused and not focused on anyone else, they become depressed, they become oppressed, they become, and, and I just, the, the, the best cure is help other people. Love other people. Serve other people. I love what Peter says in chapter 4, 1 Peter 4, 8. And above all things, have fervent love, here it is again, for one another. Above all things, 
This word's a little different. It means love without ceasing. It's a sacrificial love. Did you notice that, though? Above all things, above everything else, we're to love. We're to have love for one another. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.